Hey everyone and welcome to episode number 86 of the BBB podcast. I hope I find you well as always. We are actually at the end of season 5. Woo! 7 episodes down. Cannot believe it. Do you know what? I really do love what I do and I just hope I continue to bring you value. Not just me, my guests as well. I get so excited interviewing people from all walks of life and today is no exception. So yes, we are back with guest shows again. On today's episode, you'll hear a little bit of an intro shortly, but I just wanted to sum up our conversation before it gets started. I'm speaking to orthopedic doctor Suzanne Edge on the show, and before I got on the call, I knew she was going to be a wonderful guest. You know the way you just get a vibe sometimes? Well, I got that vibe. (laughs) Suzanne was super easy to chat to, passionate, and I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more from her to come in the future. She completed an earlier degree in molecular and cellular biology, so she's definitely got the science brain, of which I was excited to peep inside a little. She's always been very active, taking up karate, rugby, and was part of the Territorial Army. Even with all her activity, her weight was starting to creep up and up. So fast forward to today, and she's dropping weight and feeling great. Um, She's experimenting with keto, carnivore and intermittent fasting. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear some more detail from Suzanne. Today on the show, I'm talking to Suzanne Edge. Suzanne is a doctor who works in orthopedic surgery. I came across her on Instagram, my favorite place to find people. And I was drawn to her feed as she is actually sharing her journey with keto and more recently carnivore and potentially back to keto again now, but we'll get stuck into that shortly. Now, Suzanne, despite having what she thought was a healthy diet, she was starting to put on more and more weight and this left her feeling super frustrated. And that is just one of the topics we're going to talk about today and much, much more. But without further ado, hey, Suze, welcome to the show today. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you today. You mentioned to me that you came across low carb diets, but it wasn't until a year ago that you went all in and turned keto what was the straw that broke the camel's back you know what made you want to go all in because some people do think it's quite extreme (laughs) Uh, yeah I understand that totally and and I you know I knew about the idea of low-carb diets unbelievably I knew about the idea for 10 years Mm -hmm. because my my daughter was born actually she's she's 10 next week so my daughter came along and my big brother, I was having a discussion about diet and weight with my big brother who said to me, you know, have you seen Gary Taubes' book, uh, The Good Calories, Bad Calories, I think mm-hmm. it is in the US, yes. uh, The Diet Delusion. Mm-hmm. And he, he gave me a copy and I read it and I swallowed it up, but I didn't really act on it yeah. at all. And I had that book there and for 10 years it sat on my shelf gathering dust and I was putting on more and more weight and eventually... So we're looking at this time last year, actually, I was out skiing or rather I was snowboarding. Ah. My family were all skiing around me and I was on a snowboard and I hadn't been on one for a couple of years mm-hmm. and I'd lost lost my nerve, I guess. But not only had I lost my nerve, I found I couldn't I couldn't even bend down and sort my bindings out on my snowboard. And I knew I'd been putting on weight, but I hadn't really cottoned on to it because it hadn't affected me in any way physically mm-hmm. until that moment. And I fell off a pommer, I was on the snowboard, trying to chase my, you know, nine and 10 year old. Uh, and I fell off the pommer and hurt my hip. And I, in front of lots of people um, who were all skiers, uh, who were in the queue, if you like, and I was getting in their way. In front of them, I could not reach over and undo the bindings on my snowboard. And I thought, what on earth is going on? 
And I went home and I sort of looked at myself in the mirror and jumped on the scales and I thought, oh, hang on a minute, this is this is not good. And at that point, I thought enough is enough. Yeah. Enough's enough. And I and I did jump all in because, although it sounds extreme, I think I had a fair bit of weight to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost instantly, almost instantly, I felt this was the right thing to do for me. I felt really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I haven't really deviated a huge amount apart from when I broke my arm back in back in autumn, which is actually worth talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just been it's just been the right thing for me, yeah. and it's been absolutely fab. Brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. You know, it's funny uh, when you talk about reading that book and then just putting it on the shelf and forgetting about it. I think I do that quite a bit and many people probably do as well. It's just not the right time and you put it on the shelf and then something happens and then it triggers, oh, that book, let's bring that back. Maybe that'll work yes. today. There's like a time and <laughs> yeah. a place when it actually makes sense. And you go back, I go back and read books and go, this is far better now than it was the first time I read it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is that I guess the, what I said earlier about it, not it, because my weight wasn't affecting me physically I was still doing all the things yeah. that I'd done before um although I'd done martial arts as a kid I hadn't carried it on but I used to play rugby mm-hmm. um I was in the territorial army you know I was pretty fit yeah relatively fit and then, but I wasn't doing any competitions I wasn't competing in anything so I wasn't looking to I wasn't looking for small gains or whatever yeah and and I'm you know I'm not really hugely into fashion or things like that so you know it didn't it didn't bother me particularly um until that moment when suddenly I couldn't do what I wanted to do and also and I've known for years that I've got um polycystic ovarian syndrome right but it didn't affect me and it wasn't didn't affect my fertility Mm -hmm. my kids came along when I wanted them to and that was grand so I, I guess if if I'd have been affected in any way by my weight or that before then that trigger would have come sooner sure but the fact the fact that I was now sitting in the snow surrounded by people who were getting annoyed with me because I couldn't get out the way and I thought no this this is crazy that was your wake-up call yeah yeah (laughs) brilliant thank you for that so you you're an orthopedic doctor am I right in saying you deal with bones joints and the treatment of musculoskeletal conditions more than anything else but I know that you're now changing from that but (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I've been in uh, I've been in the orthopedic department for a few years yes um and I, actually i went down the road of becoming a gp but mm-hmm. i thought i was just massively frustrated yeah with that i, I didn't know how i was going to do that forever and i was just getting very very grumpy so i left it and the orthopedic department actually i'd worked for them before so they said come back and we'll we'll start afresh mm-hmm. but yeah we deal with um there's sort of two two aspects to orthopedics really there's the trauma side of things yeah. So you get any number of people. You get the fit and well like me who fell over and broke my arm last year mm-hmm. <laughs> playing keepy uppy, yeah. and you get you know very sick elderly patients who fall and and break bones and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. So you get that side of it, mm-hmm. and then you get the side which I've been in for a long time, which is the uh, elective side. So people coming for hip and knee replacements mainly, right? But lots of sort of shoulder problems and and that sort of thing as well. So chronic inflammatory conditions, mm-hmm. um, and day day in day out, I see an a huge number of people coming in for hip and knee replacements right. and that's what I do I, ha- I deal with them on the ward making sure everything's optimal before their surgery and then often help uh, in theatre with their surgery and then help them afterwards so lots of um, issues with pain control and the medications that they're on and how we get them through yeah. that first period after their surgery mm-hmm. and would you say that the hip and knee people are not necessarily old anymore or are they getting younger and younger 
I think they are getting younger. You know, the average age for a hip and knee replacements, I think, is mid sixties. Right. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So we're not we're not dealing with we do deal with eighty year olds, but yeah, they 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 do seem to be getting younger and younger. Yeah. Maybe it's more... when I look at the when I look at the date of birth and it's close to mine. I think, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> that could be me next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, with knees, then would that be younger with people you know that are big into running and stuff like that? Would you see that being a problem? We get the occasional um, fit athletes yeah. in who are younger who are coming in for, for these but the far vast majority are um slightly older as i say mid 60s to older who have not been athletic should we put it that way right so it's been detrimental to them for not doing maybe weight bearing exercises and things like that over their years perhaps yeah perhaps i think there's an awful there's an awful lot more to it than that in yeah. um we do see a lot of people that are overweight um, but I think, again, it's more than just the m- mechanical aspects of yeah. weight through the joints. It's also the chronic inflammatory problem mm-hmm. that people have got, which, you know, comes back to not just whether or not they go for a run or, or, sure. or do or go to the gym, but what they're putting into their body. Yeah. Are you tempted to give them a wee bit of nutritional advice or is that just not? no time is there no time for that and not your department no no well it's a tricky one because i as i say i deal with people when they're actually in there for their operations yeah so i'm not speaking to people in clinic prior to their surgery um i've had lots of conversations with the bosses about about that and how we go through that which have all been really interesting but when people talk to me about see mostly it's actually about other conditions so you have people coming in who are type 2 diabetic perhaps Mm -hmm. and they have issues around their blood sugars and then the conversation often turns to weight management blood sugar control and that's when I start to have these conversations but often or not more often than not people actually coming in and saying I knew I was coming from a surgery so I've 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 lost weight and I say oh how did you do that Mm -hmm. and then that you know more and more I'm hearing I've reduced my carbohydrate intake or I, I mean, I had somebody last week, 60-year-old lady last week, who said, well, I just stopped eating after 6 p.m. Right, very good. <laughs> so I, I, she said, uh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Yeah, I mean, she, she was, it was really funny. I said, well, why not? She said, well, people probably frown upon that. Oh, wow. And I said, well, there's quite a few people into intermittent fasting now. And she said, oh, it's got a name, has it? <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. people, are, people are coming actually to us with, with what they've done and their ideas. And that, for me, is the in to then have those conversations. Yeah, that's brilliant. People are taking a little bit more responsibility and kind of experimenting on them on themselves <laughs> like me and you yeah exactly i'm seeing more and more of that yeah. and i think that's really interesting and what's really interesting is that oh don't don't tell anyone yes <laughs> i know dear lover <laughs> no that's just crazy <laughs> so talking of intermittent fasting and experimenting <laughs> i tried a, a five-day fast it was like a, a challenge on a, a facebook site that i tried to start <laughs> the other week and i gave up on day three <laughs> i can definitely do intermittent fasting until lunch that's not a problem at all unless I do an early morning workout I feel like I kind of like to eat you just kind of play it by ear but I did feel good at points on this five-day fast but I also think it's a bit of a mindset thing you know I probably could have powered on but there was just something inside me thought do you know what I really want some dark chocolate (laughs) um and I always tell people you know fasting shouldn't be difficult it should you shouldn't be like fortunate it should come naturally because of the way you've changed your your eating style Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then take a step back and see what's going on if I can't do this. But what's what's your experience with fasting at the moment? Is it is it working for you? Yeah, five days is is a lot, isn't it? I know. <laughs> I think it's maybe more for people who have metabolic damage. Like if you're fit and healthy and quite lean, that's probably yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I yeah, I started 
very quick, very soon after I started on the ketogenic diet, I automatically, because of because of not feeling hungry, started going for longer and longer before I um, would eat. Yeah. But then actually, I was on a, a Facebook group, a slightly niche Facebook group full of uh, doctors who are mums who were having discussions about how how to lose weight, mm-hmm. and somebody said. There's a, there's another group, another even more niche <laughs> group, um, where we're discussing intermittent fasting. Yeah. And I thought, okay, so I kind of do that, but again, it's, it's got a name. Yep. <laughs> so I um I just stuck my hand up and said, can I join? And I went along, and the I found it absolutely fascinating how um, these guys were still eating what they what they wanted to eat in terms of you know macros and all the rest, mm-hmm. um, but were maybe leaving it 18 hours, 18, six, mm-hmm. perhaps longer. And I watched that for a while and, and I thought, well, I, actually I'm going to sort of join in and see how it goes and aim for 18, six every day. Yeah. And I really felt that that, that helped. Yeah. And that added in to the, the keto diet that I had. And whenever I plateau, I take it a little bit longer. I add a few on, I do a couple of days, maybe 24, but I generally don't go over that. Mm-hmm. I generally don't go over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really found that 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 does help me. It helps my mood, especially. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like, I mean, I've been told to calm down a little bit at my martial arts class, you know, I'm like a, a Duracell bunny. Yeah. <laughs> Get sort of, you know, stand still for a second, will you? Yeah, so yeah. I, I do feel like I've got, you know, I'm far more energized. Mm-hmm. The, um, the thing about that is that I have done that for a long time now and I aim for 18.6 every day. Often I go over that because... Yeah. You know, I'm, not, I'm actually doing something when sure. when the app says <laughs> you've yeah. reached 18 hours. I think we can easily get caught up in what other people are doing. It's like, oh, yeah, you've yeah. done like a whole day. I need to try that. But hang yes, on a minute. Yeah, totally. Just kind of, how do I feel? Am I hungry? No, nope, right. I'm just going to go and do something else. I'm going to go for a walk. Am I hungry? Okay, intuitively, I need to eat. You know, we, we I think it's hard for some people to just get back to basics and listen to what's going on inside them and turn off Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> very much so and when I say I aim for 18 hours you know some days I just don't it just doesn't happen yeah and I'll go and have the bacon and eggs or mm-hmm. I fill my work bag up with food yeah and sometimes I'll, I'll take it home with me and other days I'll have had it by 11 o'clock because that's how I'm feeling and that's what I want yeah. but yeah I, I aim for those and actually that's when I feel at my at my best but what's really interesting was when I and that's with a keto you know really leaning towards carnivore I suppose mm-hmm. but when I broke my arm which was October. Yeah. I really did. The emotional eating part of my brain was just, mm-hmm. you know, full force, <laughs> feeling mm-hmm. very sorry for myself. Yeah. And um, it was a bit of a nasty break and I needed surgery and it's taken a very long time to rehab, okay. which, means, which means I can't do a lot of upper body stuff, which I find very frustrating mm-hmm. because I'm a weirdo that likes doing press-ups. <laughs> no, I hear you. <laughs> I love it. Um, that's been awfully frustrating. Anyway, yeah. um, during that time, I was turning to the the sugary stuff more, yeah. but I I really made sure that I didn't eat for eighteen hours each day, mm-hmm. and I think and and I actually managed to despite eating all that stuff, I managed to maintain my weight mm-hmm. and my enthusiasm yeah, for it all great. for for a good couple of months after Christmas when I've realised that I've maintained my weight well with an intermittent fasting pattern, but not necessarily a keto diet um, that I went back to both of those together and now the weight's starting to come off again. Brilliant. And so when, what time would you have your last meal at? Six or seven or? 
Yeah, it's usually about six o'clock in the evening. Uh-huh. And then I've awful, time? awful one for, yeah, yeah. About three till lunch. Yeah. Three till maybe after lunch, maybe two o'clock or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm terrible for um, late sort of snacking. Yeah. Whatever, whatever I'm doing in the evening, I'll pop down to the to the kitchen and that's where the dog goes out. So I have to walk past the the nuts on the shelf and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a terrible one for just sticking my hand in and and. And there's been a few times when I've just done it automatically without thinking about it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big dark chocolate but, you know, fan. I have to eat dark chocolate every single night. <laughs> like 100% dark chocolate. I eat it like yeah. nobody eats uh, milk chocolate. It's crazy. You know, most people are like, oh, only one square is enough. And I'm like, no, nah, I could go to town on that. Night. <laughs> no, no, I'm with the one square is enough brigade oh, there. Right. But no, I like that as well. And it's again, it calls my name yeah. as I walk past it. I hear it saying, Susie. Yeah, eat me, um, eat me. Yeah. Do it, just do it, yeah. So it's, it is definitely a mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I found it's the same mindset actually as... When I first started on the keto diet, people would say, oh, you know, how do you, because I've got family and I, they eat stuff that I don't eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I try hard to, <laughs> to stop it. They they do. Yeah. And I just walk past it in the kitchen. I walk past it. I'm not interested in eating those pan yeah. chocolat because I know how it makes me feel. I just don't want it. I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to feel good. So that same mindset really should apply then to the fasting at night when I'm, <laughs> when I'm walking past the chocolate and the, the nuts but yeah, it's, yeah it is it is a difficult mindset and that actually is the same mm-hmm. if one were to go completely carnivore mm-hmm. you know you just got to find where it is that you're happy to I think people who haven't em- embarked on any sort of journey like this see people doing carnivore they think wow that is incre- it's absolutely crazy but I'm gonna launch into a question here that kind of talks about carbohydrates a little bit um did you see the recent exposure on fiber in the news um, yeah. the article bad news for low carb fans as the study finds high fiber diet cuts heart disease risk and one line from it sugar is a bad carbohydrate but fiber found in good carbohydrates such as whole grain bread and oat based muesli <laughs> so yeah what did you think of that did you see it yeah I did see it, yeah, and I saw a lot of the the, the arguments as well. Yeah. I think in in terms of, I mean, this was having a go at uh, a keto diet, really, wasn't it? This well, idea that mm-hmm. you know people who eat keto or an Atkins style eat nothing but bacon and eggs, yeah. and uh, you know, and there was a big backlash to that. That actually a ketogenic diet can actually be massively full of nuts and you know above yeah. ground leafy green vegetables and all these things that do provide a lot of fiber if if mm-hmm. fibers. Yep. your thing mm-hmm. and therefore um get stuffed yeah. <laughs> you know learn learn actually that a ketogenic diet isn't just bacon and eggs yeah it I can mean, be if you want it to be but there's some people that have such bad digestion that uh carnivore is the only thing that actually sorts everything out for them because they're not to, for want of a better word bulking up even more and blocking up the system because <laughs> you can have yeah. too much fiber and that makes it all all the more worse um, I think we have to be really open-minded. You know, there are an awful lot yeah. of people out there who are now putting their hands up and saying, this carnivorous diet actually really has helped my mm-hmm. uh, digestion. And I, I've actually had somebody on my Facebook, oh, sorry, my Instagram lately having a go at me okay. about that, saying, oh, you know, you, where's your where's your rainbow? Where's your greens? <laughs> Fine, okay. I think that, you know, the, the, this idea that fibre 
it's a bit like the vitamin C argument, isn't it? That actually, mm. that if you don't eat the, if you don't eat a huge amount of carbohydrates and glucose, then you don't need an enormous amount of vitamin C because vitamin C actually competes with yeah. the glucose, yeah. and therefore, you know, the more the more glucose, absolutely, you need more vitamin C. But if you don't, then you don't need it so much, mm -hmm. and therefore, and it's a similar sort of argument with the fiber that if you've got all these bugs in your bowel that really love all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you keep feeding them the fiber, then you'll need more fiber to keep them happy, yada, yada, yada. Exactly. But you're, you know, this idea that the microbiome only will only respond well to that sort of diet. Well, it will if that's what it's made of. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're, if you're feeding it something else, then it will respond to that. It's like being and, a sugar burner. Like you, you will feel a drop in energy if you don't continue stoking the fire with the sugar. Yeah, Because yeah. that's what your system's learned to, to run on. Yeah, and I think I think it's a really, um, I think it's... It's an argument that a lot of carnivores make, and it, they are very happy eating that way. Then, mm -hmm. you know, give them give them a break. Leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice actually on my longer fast for those three days, my digestion was great, and not to go into too much detail, but there was no, I didn't feel the need to bulk up my stools mm. for roughage, as they say. I did. I felt absolutely fine. Um, so it's just playing and seeing, okay, what's, what's happening with me? Do I feel good? Do I feel not bloated? Then you're, you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. Tapping into that and ignoring the noise outside and the articles like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's so much more to it, isn't there? Because I feel when I'm just having a carnivore diet, you know, beef, eggs, dairy, yeah. I feel fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Yeah. And yet... And yet, this last few weeks I've been doing it, feeling great. Recently, I've added in more greens. Mm -hmm. And I'm not that. sure why that is. I think that's maybe more of a social thing that actually yeah. I'm cooking for everyone else in the family. For them to eat steak and vegetables is perfectly acceptable. Sure. And then I feel bad sitting there just eating my steak and saying to them, eat your broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, I just sort of join in with them. Is it maybe just one bit of variety as well or yeah yeah that's it i think yeah. i did get I mean, people say oh it's not boring you've got to be more adventurous with how you cook your steak yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well um yeah i i do feel absolutely fabulous when i do that mm -hmm. but but i feel I, do i feel hugely worse by eating courgettes and broccoli i don't know I don't know, I haven't got there yet. We'll see. Exactly. I saw your plate the other day and I thought you had mashed potato for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Cauliflower yeah. mash is great. So, it did, looks so did my husband last night when I gave it to him and then he took a mouthful. He said, What's <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> see if you add the right stuff to it, like butter and uh, salt and uh, rosemary I add to it sometimes. It's tasty stuff. Oh, it was loaded. It was loaded with butter and... Um, yeah. Salty butter, and he, he did eat a lot. <laughs> but, yeah. Of course, he did, yeah. <laughs> he did it, you could make stuff super tasty. I think, you know, that's getting your spice rack in order is half the battle. <laughs> Makes everything yeah. great. So, Susie, you're currently writing a book about lifestyles and the future of the health services. Are you still working on that? Yeah, I am. It's quite ambitious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you even start? Yeah. <laughs> I, I am. I think it's what happened was I was doing a lot of reading. Yeah. And I have the. Um, I'm pretty lucky that I actually started out life as a molecular cell biologist mm -hmm. before I went to clinical side of things. So I do have a good understanding, or at least I'm able to read a lot of the biochemistry. Yeah. And so I've been doing a lot of that. Actually, I got into trouble last night mm -mm. from a Facebook friend mm -hmm. because I posted, you know, Robert Lustig's video about sugar and the bitter truth, I think it is, or the toxin uh -huh. <clears throat> video. Yes. It reached 8 million views. Mm -hmm. And I posted it on my personal Facebook page and, um, 
I got told off by a friend who said, well, I watched that and I didn't understand it and no one else will either. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry about that. I forget sometimes the geekiness in me comes out. But yeah, I started off doing that. So a lot of the biochemistry, I do like reading about that. And I've been doing a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is crazy just keeping it in my own bookshelf or why not put it all together and start coming up with more ideas. And, and, And I wanted to have a look at the health service in the way we... Because as I say, I work in the elective orthopedic department. I have a huge number of patients coming through. I could close my eyes and write out their drugs. They are all on the same thing. They're all on the same medications for, they're all on the stomach medications, the the proton pump inhibitors. They're all on the painkillers. You know, half of them are diabetic. Huge amount of drugs that they're all on. And we seem to be just, you know, these guys come in with high blood pressure. What will we do? We'll give them a drug to bring it down. Yeah because that helps them around the, the, the time of surgery, but actually then they go away and they just stay on that forever. Mm-hmm. And then we're not actually looking at the, the, the causes. Yeah. And I think, I know that we're not going to save the health service by stopping everybody eating bread. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I know that we're not going to save the health service by making sure everybody doesn't necessarily have breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a huge amount of socioeconomic ideas going into this as well. But actually, the real cause of a huge amount of our problems within the health service and are not being able to fund it is the fact that an awful lot of what's coming in is diet and lifestyle related. Yeah. And we're doing it so badly. Yeah. So I'm looking at the various, various different things, looking at diabetes, looking at obesity, looking at, you know, even ideas about around about cancers and Alzheimer's and how there's new thinking mm-hmm. about how we can look at these from a lifestyle medicine point of view that sounds exciting i'm looking forward to reading it <laughs> uh, it's just kind of slow it's slow progress when's um, your release so, date <laughs> oh god i keep putting that back i keep i keep putting it back and putting it back but yeah. we'll get there yeah I, I just need to um need to concentrate on it a bit more but as you yeah. said i'm i'm actually leaving my current job yeah. next week and moving on to something else so there's um that's sort of taking a bit of a priority at the moment but it's still going on Mm -hmm. i interviewed sam feltham have you heard of him yes absolutely yeah Yeah. i don't know if you listen to the show um but he's great he's doing good things and i imagine kind of your book would kind of talk to a lot of what he he's trying to do at the moment absolutely and he's one of the guys that i want to speak to actually to as part of the book he um what what they're doing with the, the public health collaboration is superb and Again, like I want to be involved with that as well, but mm-hmm. you know, there's only so many hours in the day. Yeah, I have got keto as it is. I've got a huge amount on my plate, and um, there's only so much one can do. Um, but yeah, I think what they're doing is absolutely fab. Yeah. Um, I want to as well look at my own research ideas and maybe looking at a PhD. And so yeah, there's an awful lot going on. I love it. It's all very exciting. (laughs) So Susie, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I ask everyone this question. If you could give our listeners one final thought today, one Susie nugget that they can incorporate Mm -hmm. into their lives in order to build that better body, what would that be? Do you know, I'd have to say that don't be afraid to go out and experiment. Yeah. Um, Because you know what? Next week is going to come and next week's going to go, whether you tried that new thing or not. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, then at least you know that that didn't work for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And if it does and you find something that really works for you, then fantastic. But yeah, just, you know, don't be afraid to experiment. As you say, you've got to cut out the noise of all the naysayers. Because whatever you do, whatever you do, there will be naysayers and haters and all the rest of it. And you really have to cut out that noise and experiment on yourself and accept it when things don't really work. But other things will, you know. Yes. 
I love That's it. That's what I'd say. You be you. I love it. <laughs> and where is the best place for people to connect with you on the web? Uh, well, as you said before, I spend quite a bit of time on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be doc.edge. Yeah. Uh, and then on Twitter as well, at edgesues. Um, that's where you'd find me there. I do have a small Facebook page where actually I put together all of the, the ideas to do with the book. And um, I've got a couple of friends on, on there who are fantastic in discussion. Whenever I put something on, there's always a comebacker. And one of one of the chaps I work with actually did a biochemistry degree with mm-hmm. is now a lawyer. So he's fantastic for um, reading all the stuff I put on. Um, but that's called um, Against the Grain. Right. And it's at edge against the green so that's somewhere you can find me and chat as well perfect i'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody to check out and do you want Brilliant. to talk about your podcast no the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah um yeah we were talking about this earlier weren't we i yeah. i started a podcast called what if health mm-hmm. which really again is just exploring the same ideas you know i'm interviewing people for my book and i thought well why not actually just make this public as well yeah. um that yeah that's available at the moment there's only three episodes at the moment but i am um, working on that and trying to add that into my day as well. Um, <laughs> Sorry for calling you out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's we've, we've I've had a couple of guests on there talking about yeah. intermittent fasting and, and diets and ketogenic diets. And uh, yeah. the next one to come out talking to a GP who's trying to speak to the world about lifestyle medicine through Brilliant. YouTube and video. Cause she's great at that. There's more and more GPs coming out like that, which is awesome to see. I love it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting chat actually. This next one because she's te- she's a trainee, mm-hmm. but she's telling me how she's coming up against yeah both enthusiastic trainers and people that shoot her down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Okay, yeah. Look forward to that. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well, Susie, thank you so much for talking to me today. I love that. I knew that would be good crack today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much for that. There's so much. Um, there's so much more. I guess that we didn't talk about, like things like community, and and yeah. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. But yeah, what, yeah, it's great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'll have to invite you back then for part two. <laughs> well, well, maybe when the book's a little bit further on and yeah. I've got a little little bit more to say, then uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd love like that. A plan. Thank you very much. Cool. The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. If you have any specific concerns, please consult with your general practitioner before embarking on anything new.